Be true to yourself. Hamlet. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Jeremiah Sullivan. I'm your host. This is a podcast to teach you how to be the leader in your life, in your team's life, in your family's life. And it's a podcast to help you win. Okay, this is a leadership and, per- and uh, per- performance podcast. We exist to bring more good in the world. And the overall goal is just to help you establish a, a foundation in leadership and to help you evolve as a leader. I believe everybody is a leader. And it doesn't matter if you have a team or you are just going at it alone. We all are leaders. So the goal of this podcast is to help you win. And all I ask is that if you find value in today's episode, you go out and share it with a friend. Um, I'm joined by my co-host and the master podcaster, Justin Phillips. What's up, brother? I am ready to go today. What's up with you, Mr. Sniffly over there on the other end? Yeah, I'm a little little under the weather today, guys, but uh, I figure I'd come out here do it anyway. And, uh, we're going to, if I start trailing off and getting confused about what we're talking about, just <laughs> that I'm a little sick right now. Yes. Jeremiah, so I want to tell you Captain? something. Go ahead. Go I ahead, was, sorry. I was watching, I was watching uh, captain Marvel this morning, uh, for people that are interested in that kind of thing, which I'm really not, I'm not a movie person, but Jeremiah pushed our fucking recording time off two hours today. So I needed to find something to do. And, um, <laughs> I was watching this movie. I do kind of like pulling out little little lessons out of movies, which I guess everybody does to an extent. But um, and by the way, with Captain Marvel, I have no idea what the fuck is going on in that movie. But I noticed that Captain Marvel has like her little powers that she can use during them. But one of the big themes of the movie is actually her trying to control her emotion and not just fucking like blast people for no reason throughout the entire movie. And I was like, wow, that sounds like something we should talk about on the podcast. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great topic. And I like it. I like it because it ties into um, this podcast. For, for those of you guys that have been following along and following along on social media, this 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 episode is going to be a result of the the poll that I put up in my story. I asked, hey, what are your what are your questions? Um, you know, about I forget how I worded it, but it was along the lines of like, these five topics, um, which one yeah. do you want me to talk about in the next episode, right? Yeah, it was kind of a process because yeah. we narrowed, so, it down, uh, narrowed it down. I sent you the answers and yes, then you all of a sudden watched Captain Marvel. I, actually, I haven't even seen that movie. Yeah, apparently a lot of people haven't. It's like the, the <laughs> I don't know, the fucking runt of the Marvel canon. I don't know. But anyway, yeah, I guess we're talking about we're talking about decision making mostly, I feel like is what this is going to turn into, but more specifically decision making uh tied to emotions and trying to keep emotions out of the decision making because that was that was a pretty popular uh, problem we found out that some of the audience members have. So, why don't we start with like your overview of the decision making process, how to make decisions? and kind of find out what role emotion plays in that to begin with. Okay. Um, I th- well, I think for everybody listening, like they're, they're wondering right now, like, Hey, why should I listen to the rest of this episode? You know, that's usually what everybody does when, because this is the topic you asked for you scrubs. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, but you, you do. when you, when you, when you grab an episode of a podcast, it doesn't matter. You're like, do, is this worth my time? Right. Well, regardless of what, what type of leader you are, right? 
if you have a team, company, or, or nobody, we're, we all want to make great decisions because, and you know, I have this, this mantra that I live by, intelligent people make intelligent decisions. How, how many intelligent people are there out there that have all these facts in their head, right? They, this, right. they have all this data, but their decision-making process is, is garbage, like they just, they, they make mistakes all the freaking time, right? Like, uh, essentially living in insanity. I'm trying to give an, ex- I want to give an example, yeah. but I also don't want to, <laughs> you don't want to incriminate anybody. Yeah. 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 Right. Well, you know, we all know people that constantly cheat their whole life. Yeah. Right. They might be super intelligent, but they go in circles of cheating on their partner nonstop. Mm-hmm. Now, is that person really intelligent if they yeah. have all this information in their head, but they're making poor decisions. No, no, they're, 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 they're a moron. Right. Right. Like, cause they can't, they literally can't make decisions that, that make them better. They, uh, they live in that same defeating cycle of poor decisions. Yeah. So well, I think a good example, I know we brought this up last time too, but a good example of that would be those freaking people that commit huge fraud crimes. They're usually really smart people that make really bad decisions. Yeah. So, you know, if we want to get ahead in life and win in life, you know, we need to increase our decision-making process. Okay. Um, yeah, we, we get what we deserve in life. Okay. So if we constantly make poor decisions, we deserve a poor result. Yeah. You know, I like to give the example of, uh, you know, uh, fitness and health. If we want to be in shape, we want to be lean, mean fighting machine, right? Yeah. And we, we eat cake every single day for breakfast. Yeah. Well, we deserve, we deserve to be fat, right? We do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even though eating cake for breakfast probably sounds delicious, you know? It does. But, <laughs> Don't give me any but, ideas. So that, okay. <laughs> so that's the why. That's the why behind why we need to make great decisions. And not only that, but as you move along in life, you're going to be given more and more responsibility. So- you know, to, to, we need to start practicing early, right? So maybe there's a guy listening that he doesn't have a team yet. He's just trying to lead himself. But hey, in five, 10 years, maybe 15 years, whatever, you're going to have people in and around you. And if you can't make good decisions for yourself, you're not going to be able to make good decisions for them, right? Right. Too. Yeah. And I think that's, a, I think decision making is something that's pretty, it's, it, I, I actually studied this in college before. Like you make so many decisions in a day. That's something I should have like looked up a statistic on before we did this, but just little decisions. Like your your whole day is almost decision making, so yeah. it's it's not like you don't have the opportunity to kind of you know train your decision making muscles, for no better way to put it. So yeah, that, yeah. That's the and point. I, I think you I think you need to have knowing that knowing what you just said is true that you make countless decisions in a day, even small, subtle ones, like what clothes am I going to wear? Or um, what route am I going to take to work? Or am I going to call this person that called me yesterday back? Those type of things like stack up. Um, and the way the way I teach this and the way I personally like try to interpret it is that I think that you have a decision fuel tank inside of you, right? And this is true, um, not just by assumption, but by fact, because you hear about a lot of very, very successful people like, you know, condensing where they're going to make the most important decisions. Jeff Bezos being one of them. So Jeff Bezos, if I'm not mistaken, what he tries to do is make all his most important decisions before 12 o'clock. And then the afternoon is basically cruise control because he knows he, he understands decision fatigue. As you go mm-hmm. on, you make poor and poor, more poor and poor decisions, right? Um, in the 
mental health space, it's referred to as spoons, which is kind of a, a weird way to look at it. But what they say for somebody dealing with stress that has a mental health concern or issue is that you need to, you need to control and manage your spoons, your mental spoons, and that every decision you make in a day contributes to giving up a spoon. And that's why, you know, at the end of the day, you'll hear people say, man, I'm so tired. Like I'm mentally exhausted. <laughs> it's because they've given up all their spoons. Right. So it's a, it's a, and it's a, it's a, uh, an analogy to help somebody with a mental health issue, control the amount of decisions they're making, control their stress and be able to communicate to somebody else what's going on in their life. Hey, I'm out of spoons today. Right. Like, is, I, is, there, is there a reason that it's spoons and not like toothpicks or something like does, does, does that have anything to do with it i i don't know i actually need to look that up uh, i'm tempted to do it while we're on the call right now because i was just uh, i thought that was going somewhere i was like oh what does this have to do with spoons and then it just didn't but um yeah so it's like when you're playing like a video game you're, like you're playing like a sports game and you go into like create a character mode and you get like so many points to attribute to each attribute you have like you could put so many on speed or so many on power or something but you only get so many so you have to kind of like evenly distribute them across what you think is the most important yeah exactly I, i'm on wikipedia right now like looking up the spoon <laughs> theory which you can actually do and uh it doesn't really say why <laughs> it doesn't say why why uh why we, they picked spoons but uh i get the point though and i mean i I don't think that that's a bullshit thing. Um, I'm someone that does it. Like you see the thing all the time where like Mark Zuckerberg and Jeff Bezos and those kind of people like pick out their clothes the night before. They just wear the same clothes every day. You know, Steve Jobs was like that too, because they don't want to put energy into more trivial decisions. I think is the best way to put it. So like, what do you think? Do you think people have to prioritize their decisions in terms of how much it's actually going to affect their outcomes and of the day yeah. or of the week or of the month or of the year? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, when I when I work with a client, I schedule I set up my schedule to where I'm going to provide the most energy and make the best decisions with them on the call. Like I'm not going to schedule you know, my, my client calls for 10 o'clock at night. I'm not going to do that, you know, because it's not, it's, it's a disservice to them. I'm going to be mentally and physically fatigued. Yeah. So I try to schedule when I'm going to be at my best. Usually after I, my best is usually for, um, this is, and we get, this is a whole nother subject, but there's a book called the power of when by Dr. Brew. And he's a sleep doctor that talks about how to, arrange your life so that you're effective when you're naturally effective the most. Does so that have to do with your chronotype? It does. It does. Yeah. So it has to do with how your, your, your genotypes, your chronotype. And what it's, what it says in there is that everybody is hardwired a different way. And that general society is made up of, he, he refers to them as animal, uh, different animals. Yeah. So, I'm, I'm, the sickness is coming back. That's why I'm yeah. getting like, <laughs> oh, that's fine. I just, I just learned about this really recently. I want to Tom Bill use podcast though. Oh, okay. Same cool. thing you're so, talking about. What did, okay. So summarize what you learned. And then it I'll, might've I'll, actually I'll been the back. same guy. Um, but no, I mean, it was mostly about chronotypes that I was getting into and I wanted to learn about the, the, what is there? There's lions, bears, dolphins, and wolves, I think, or the four that you uh, can fall under. It might be owls. 
There might be owls in there too. Well, like generally people are familiar with the terms early bird and night owl, right? Yeah. That's kind of a more basic way of putting it. Yeah. But there's really four different types. And like you were saying, is that people are actually hardwired to be more productive at certain times of the day and more productive with specific tasks at certain times of the day. Like some people are more productive if they eat at three o'clock in the afternoon. I don't really get why, but I get that that's a thing, you know, or they sleep like that. Like I sleep from roughly 7.30 p.m. until 3.30 in the morning because I just started doing that and I got a hell of a lot more productive after I did. And I wasn't getting any more sleep. It was just shifted. Yeah. And I, you know, that's important to discover for a leader standpoint. It's important for everybody to discover because, you know, we live in a world where we, we, again, we talk about the, the norm, the social norm. You know, society tells us that we should be at work at nine, we should mm-hmm. be done with our day at five, and then we should deal with our family and go to bed, you know, whatever, 10 o'clock. Mm-hmm. But that's not the case. That's not how yeah. everybody's hardwired. You know, um, myself included, like you're, you're discovering about yourself. You're tend, you tend to be better in the morning at early hours. I'm the same way. You know, I don't, I don't do well between, um, you know, eight and 10 o'clock or whatever. <laughs> I do my best between six and eight o'clock. You know, that's my best. Yeah. So anyway, it's important to note. And I think that, you know, it, for people to understand right now and tie us into the decision-making process is know where you fall in, in, among the uh, those animals. So uh, in Dr. Brew's book, he said that I think 60% of society is made up of bears, which means they do well waking up right around sunrise. And they mm-hmm. do well getting into work around eight, nine o'clock. And then they operate their best around 10 o'clock. That's why we have the work schedule we do. Well, there's also a portion of society called, you know, the lions who it's probably less than 10%, I think is what he says in there. And they do well waking up before the sun gets up and they're most effective between the hours of like six and eight o'clock. And so he goes on to say that and he talks about things, the next animal kingdom or animal kingdom, the next animal was uh, the (laughs) dolphin, which they do well, basically offset everything that I just said, two hours. And then owls are your super creative people. Now, if you know an artist or you know a musician in your life or you know somebody like that, you, you could, it makes sense, right? Like those people are generally, they're up late. They, they do their best thinking at night. They're, like I said, they're generally creative type people, mm-hmm. but there's some baggage that goes along with being, um, you know, either it's an owl or a wolf. I can't remember. We should probably look it up and fact check right now. Yeah. But, I'm pretty but, sure uh, it's a wolf. Not going to lie. Okay, we'll go, <laughs> pretty we'll confident go in that. So we'll go wolf. Plus, it's that's that's more sexy than saying. <laughs> so, so if you're an if you're a wolf, and you've been taught that the norm is nine to five, and you should get up at a certain time, and every day you're like, dude, I should get up earlier. I should get up earlier because society society's telling me I should. You're gonna start feeling guilty about the way that you live. So the answer is no, man. Find out where you operate the the most effectively, and then schedule your day around that. Um, but here's the here's the kicker is don't do what you want to do. Yeah, exactly. I was just going to say that. Effective. <laughs> okay, there's a big difference. Do what's effective, not what you want to do. Yeah, that's not like a cop out for you to stay up till four in the morning and be like, oh, I'm a wolf. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. shut the fuck up. By the way, I did just uh, check myself that Tom Bill, you did interview Dr. Brew on his podcast. So we are talking about the same person little shout out for for tom there i'll get him some more followers yeah yeah that's what he needs more followers so 
So yeah, so where were we where were we exactly going with that? Being being clear basically when you make your decisions and kind of I guess making decisions. You you are you saying you think that you should kind of make more of your important decisions during those peak hours? Like you said, you perform best between six and eight. Is that when you do most of your decision making? Yeah, you should you should set your life and decisions up so that you're you can maximize the decision making process. Okay. Meaning like having, when are you going to make the hardest decisions and schedule your whole day around that? Um, you ba- basically what I'm telling the person to do that's listening to this, that wants to win in decision-making is set the conditions for your decisions. When, setting the conditions is a military term. It means um, establishing all the left and right elements and putting all your pieces in place before you attack the enemy. So imagine the enemy's sitting down in this little draw in this low area and your mission is to go in and attack them. So you infill, you drop in on a helicopter and you start marching in and you go, it's like a 5k infiltration. So you're marching on foot for 5k. Well, before you attack the enemy, maybe you get, um, 800 meters away, 500 meters away and you're closing in, you stop and you start pushing everybody into their correct position. And the enemy doesn't know you're there yet in this scenario. So you push out your isolation position, you block off the roads, uh, you put in your support by fire position, and then you set up the shape of your attack. Maybe it's an L-shaped type attack. And then you get you have everybody, you cue them to set in their weapons and get their weapons ready. You know, the guys, guys are taking out the, the 240 machine guns and they're putting tripods on them. You know, they're pulling out extra ammo. They're getting it laid out so that when the fight does kick off, they can just reload right there. Then, you know, the, the key leader, he's sitting on his radio communicating to the higher headquarters about what's going on on the battlefield so everybody can understand what's going on. And the idea here is you get all these pieces set so that you can destroy the enemy with overwhelming odds. Okay, you want like all the odds stacked up in your favor, right? Get it all set and then boom, you can hit them and eliminate them. And yeah. that's what I'm saying to do with your decisions is set the conditions so that you can win. And one of the easiest ways to do this is with your morning routine. Okay. So it takes about one to two hours for humans to get, um, effective. Okay. It takes about one to two hours before your brain starts firing at its, um, where it's optimized. Right. That's why like, you know, it's hard to hold a conversation right when you roll out of bed. (laughs) Right. Cognitively there. Right. It takes about two hours. So setting the conditions is an opportunity to make that first two hours go smooth and take away the decision-making process. So what I say, what I teach people to do is, hey, um, get, get your clothes laid out, right? So at the end of the day, you win the day, you get home. What you should do is set the conditions for the next day. You get your shoes laid out, you prep your meal. And people naturally do this, but they don't think about it. Think about what they're actually trying to accomplish, so you're doing a couple of things. You're you're setting the conditions for the following day so that you can win, um, but you're also committing to the next morning as well. So yes. you're making the decision in advance, right? So you're setting your shoes out, you got your meals made, and if you're like on the fence about working out, you're you're probably like, and you haven't committed to that decision, you're probably putting all that shit off till the morning. You're like, well, I don't really know, right? So so if you commit to it. And then you set the conditions the night prior. When you wake up, your clothes are all ready. And it doesn't take you an hour and 15 minutes to get out, out the door. It takes you about you know 30 minutes or 45 minutes or whatever. 
um, it shortens a lot of that. It takes the decision in the morning out of you just going to autopilot. Yeah. yeah. And like, especially like I, I do that to a fucking T, but, um, which part the, the delay, like all the, of it. The- no, no. I like getting my shit ready the night before. And I've noticed like why I do it before. I'm like that with school. I'm like that with the gym. I'm like, like what I used to do here. I'm, I'm out of work now for, because school's coming back around so i'm not going to work anymore but what i used to do uh last week just a fun story my mom got i don't want to say she got pissed at me but she got a little pissed at me because i'll get home from work at like three o'clock and i'll walk into my bedroom and she'll be she'll say hi to me and i just don't say hi back so i'm a little bit of a (laughs) dick i guess but it's because like as soon as i get home i i have my gym clothes still with me because i go to gym the gym before work and i'll throw that shit in the laundry and i'll immediately get my clothes ready for work for the next day and then i'll get my clothes ready for the gym for the next day and it's just like i just do everything right then and then i'm like mom you can talk to me half an hour later after i have everything ready for tomorrow so well uh, part of that too this is good really good point that you just brought up is uh understanding your personality type Okay, there's a, there's a couple ways you can discover what your personality type is, right? There's the Myers-Briggs, there's the DISC personality test, there's also the Hexaco personality test. But what I'm getting after in this is that you tend to probably be, my guess, is that you're a task-oriented, action-driven person. Okay, so that's a, that's a type of personality. My, my wife is not that way. I am that way. So when I come home, it's the same thing. I cannot stop thinking about the things I need to do until they're done. I'm an actions results-based person, but not everybody's like that. I feel that so hard. <laughs> yeah. A lot, a lot of people are, um, they're less, they're less aggressive action-based and they're more emotional-based, meaning like you come in the door and if they're an emotion-driven person, they want to connect. They're not making their mm. decisions they're not making their decisions off of the tasks that they're doing. They're making it off of connecting with you as a human. Okay. So you should really understand your personality type as a leader, as a growing, evolving leader, and then help other people understand theirs, but also understand that not everybody is like you, right? That's common sense, but it's, it's not common practice. So I, I don't know if we talked about this before, but there's four types of people, right? The action analytical, or excuse me, the action-based people, then there's the practical type people, then there's emotional people, and then the social people, right? Yeah, okay. So in general, people fall into those four categories, action, practical, emotional, and social. And one of those categories is the highest in their personality type, okay? High action people are, you know, like I said, results driven. They, they usually look you in the eye, they like tasks, they like lists, um, and they, they speak a little bit quicker than most people, and they're very high energy. Okay. Then practical people, most practical people that are, um, I've, what I've seen is they, you know, these are like your engineers. Okay. Okay. These are guys and I'll kind of mirror them right now as I'm going through, they like to talk a little bit slower. I just uh-huh. interviewed an en- engineer yesterday on my podcast and I was a aggressive action person. And so I was <laughs> one like, Hey man, let's get going. Man. Yeah. And he was just like, yeah. And so this is how you do it. And I was just like waiting on edge, like, let's go. Let's go. Right. Yeah. Right? <laughs> uh, but not all people are the same. And, you know, from a leader standpoint, you should know these four categories of people so you can know how to essentially mirror them and energy match. Okay. So, you know, energy matching is a way to increase your influence over people. If I, co- if I come at you 
let me finish this first, then I'll come back to that. So there's action aggressive, um, that there's practical, then there's your emotional pe people. These are very, very empathetic type people, right? And then there's social people. So social people are your general, they like to shoot the shit. They like to joke around a lot. Yeah. And if you meet a social person, you walk up and you say, Hey fucker, how's it going? He's like, right, right, he'll right. laugh it off. Yeah. But if you do that with an emotional person, they'll get their feelings hurt. Mm -hmm. Like, Oh, he just, he's, you know, he's joking, but he's really poking fun at me and it hurts him a little bit. Right. With now with an emotional person, if you look at them, if an action person looks at an emotional person, what will naturally happen is they'll want to make strong eye contact. And that, that can actually, you know, make the emotional person feel insecure. So you don't actually, you're less effective with an emotional person as an action person if you don't mirror them. So what I do when I meet somebody that's like that, instead of like coming at them straight forward, like I want to, I kind of, I bring my posture down and I kind of relax and I energy match. And I actually will even turn my posture, like turn my hips away from them because mm -hmm. it's less threatening. And it helps me kind of, um, you know, mentally prepare for that conversation. So I do this as a leader with my subordinates. I recognize, hey, which type of person are they? And this sounds like a super complicated process, but if you practice it enough, it becomes natural. How and do you so, how do you read them in the first place? Like how how do you pick pick that up? Uh, I think uh, through practice, and and so, how do you specifically do it? Like if I was going to teach somebody how to do it. Well, yeah, like if you just met a new person right now, not knowing which of the four types they are, like how long does it take you to figure it out slash what gives it away? Um, it's, it's honestly, everything that I just described, they display it within the first five to 10 seconds. Okay. You know, is, if they're so like, you look person, at them very aggressively and then you can start to like feel that they're getting insecure. So you're like, oh shit, they're an emotional person. <laughs> well, no, I, I go to introduce myself. Okay. If you're meeting somebody for the first time, like you're saying, I go introduce myself and I, and I look and I say, okay, what kind of person is this? How does this guy want, you know, and how the person shakes your hand will tell you what type of person they are. You know, an action-based person is going to give you a very firm hand grip, right? Right. But there's also some overlap there. A practical person probably will too. A social person might as well. Matter of fact, I met a social person that um, had the strongest handshake I've ever seen. They probably shake life. your fucking arm right off. He, he did. He brought you in close. He literally, he would bring you in. What's up, man? Right. And then, you know, social people are generally, they, they tend to be like your extroverts. Um, they yeah. tend to be like when they want to recharge, they go out and do stuff. So it's good. This is good to know because imagine you're a social leader. You're in charge of this company and you go hold a company meeting and you're, you're completely fine shooting the shit and joking with people. And it's natural for you to get in front of everybody and start kind of making jokes and making fun, right? Using sarcasm to kind of poke fun at your, your mm -hmm. team and your employees. Well, nobody's going to bark back at you because you're the key leader. So if you have an emotional guy in that formation, he's just becoming a whipping boy and he's not going to say shit except for develop resentment for you towards you. Does that make sense? Yeah, that yeah, definitely makes sense. Um, shit. I was about to say something anyway. So, uh, decision-making. <laughs> yeah. So where, where are we going to tie this in here? Because we're talking about four different types of people now. And we're talking about, Oh, I know what I was going to say. Are they, is, are those four different categories? Is that like a, you have a, you have all four of them, but you have a dominant one or are you like independently in one category? And that's like who you are. Now you, 
the uh, you have a dominant one and you have a weak one. Okay, okay. they're all you have all four of them, but yeah. I'm saying you do ha- you do have a dominant one and you do have one that's uh, the 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 least uh, yeah, strong, the weak, like non-dominant, extremely non-dominant. <laughs> yeah. So if, you know, an exercise that I, I teach people, you know, you, you can do on this on this podcast right now is everybody can think about somebody that they know. Or you can do it, or you can do it with yourself first. So think about one of the two, either yourself or somebody that you know um, pretty well, and ask yourself: Are they? What's their strength? Are they aggressive, practical, emotional, or social? Okay. Now, if you're doing yourself right now, you should have that answer. And now, ask yourself: What's the weakest category, or what's the re- weakest area for that person? All right. For me, um, I would say it's probably social. Okay, my weakest is social. I don't like to to go out. I know I sound loud on the podcast and stuff, but I like I like to keep to myself. And honestly, it took me it take it took work for me to receive criticism when I was younger and not um not feel weird about it, right? Like like when people would joke about with me as a as a as a kid, it was like, or when I would see other people joke with other people and and uh, you know burn them or whatever, it would impact me. So I'm really not that social type person, right? right? Like it's not me. So anyways, you do that with people and, and I would practice doing it over and over and over again so you can develop that ability. Don't you think your levels can kind of change a little bit though based on the environment that you're in at the current time? So I was thinking kind of similar to what you just said is that I'm kind of that way too, like outside, like when I'm not behind a microphone, I'm really quiet and really yeah. reserved, like really reserved. And then I tell people I have all these podcasts. I'm on a coast. This one I host like three of my own. It's ridiculous. And I'm like, I like to talk, but not when I'm actually out in social situations. Yeah. Remember, it's not, it's not like an all or nothing. It's, yeah. Thing it's not here. an all or nothing, but you have, you have all four of them and at different times of your life. They're going to kind of all reveal themselves, right? Like, um, yeah, so they all are. You can call on all of them in any scenario. Now, the reason I we're talking about personality types is because it it directly ties into decision making. Um, two two thirds of your personality is genetic. Okay, meaning it comes from your your family, your parents, your mom, your dad. Okay, it's inherited, and then one third comes from your upbringing and your environment and your exposure to life. This isn't like an assumption. This is a fact. Okay. Uh, you can actually read one of my favorite books. It's called The H Factor of Personality. And it, it measures the six personality dimensions of the human being. So these two doctors discovered six personality dimensions. And they say everybody has them. It's called the Hexaco, Hexaco personality traits. And I won't go through all of them, but right. the H stands for honesty, humility. So what they do in this book is they assess all the other traits coupled with honesty and humility, and they tell you what type of person would be created if they had different um, strengths and weaknesses of those other personality traits. Okay, so extroversion is another example of a personality trait in that book. So they 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 pair up. Hey, if a person has low honesty and has high extroversion. It means they're probably like your social butterfly who will do anything to get what they want and not feel bad about it. Meaning they'll lie to and recharge, right? These are your guys that are that almost this person that I'm describing is probably like your cheesy car salesman. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Where they're going to get the that. sale. Yeah. They're going to get low honesty, high extroversion, right? Yeah. 
So that book breaks it down and, um, great book for anybody that wants to read. It's pretty small, uh, but it pairs up honesty throughout all of the dimensions. And in there, they reveal that two thirds of your personality come from what you've inherited. And one third comes from your environment. So conscientiousness is another one of those dimensions. Conscientiousness is your ability to be diligent. It's your ability uh, to stay organized, show up on time. Now, I'm creating awareness right now around decision making. That's why we're talking about this. So if you're a person or how many of you guys know somebody that had zero to, to or very limited, very low or zero conscientiousness, you went over to their house, they're always messy. They're always late. They're never on time. They, their, their whole life is unorganized, right? They're usually full of excuses and they can't seem to break the habit. They cannot stop you know, that they can't fix that side of their life. And so it's, it's, you know, like I said, diligence plays a part in that, um, not being thorough with your actions. And so two thirds of that is genetic. So if you can figure out where your, where your weaknesses are and you can figure out where your strengths are, you can figure out what your, how you're naturally inclined to make decisions. Okay. So if you have low conscientiousness, you'd be able, you would be able to discover that you're probably going to be late for meetings. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> Right. You, you, you'd be able to discover that and then you can go to work to fix it and make a, make uh, decisions around that weakness, like to combat it. Right. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense actually. Yeah. It, yeah, it just makes a ton of sense to, but, but it's cool that someone broke it down in a way because I think a lot of people have trouble or would have trouble finding out exactly like, why the fuck am I late all the time? Why am I unorganized this, that, and the other? Here's, here's another great example. Um, agreeableness is one of the personality traits. Okay. If you have extremely high agreeableness genetically, it means you naturally agree with people. Okay. How many, how many people do you, or maybe you have super low agreeableness and you never agree with people. How many people do you know where you ask them something that you know for certain, it, it, honestly, it probably came from them. You, you, you gave them an idea that came from them but they have such low level of agreeableness <laughs> that they say no about it. You're right. How many times does that fucking happen? Oh man. It's like the contrarian, right? It's yeah. like, no matter what you tell this dude or girl, whatever, they're like, no, no, I don't agree with that. Yeah. It's, it's, this is, this is why. <laughs> okay. Um, now, now here's the kicker, right? So, so if you know that about yourself, now you have the awareness to be like, hey, am I just saying no or do I literally think no in this example? And you can kind of make your decisions better off of that. Yeah, man, I see. <laughs> I, I, I definitely know like a person or two that has that. But the the opposite is also true. I think I think it's a more common issue, at least with people I know, too, that will just agree with everything. Mm-hmm. And it's I don't know. It's weird to think about. It's weird to think about. Is there uh, is there a middle ground with any of these, any of these person or yeah personality traits or? So with all of them, think of them all on a scale of zero to a hundred. Sliding okay. Yeah, and the the mean if you take if you go onto hexaco.org and you take the test that's on there online, um, they they actually it's an open uh, personality test that they just keep accumulating people's answers on. Um, well, if you take the test, what it'll do is it'll, it'll plot you uh, against the mean. 
Like, hey, what's what's the average person at your age and say about okay. their agreeableness, okay, based off the survey? And then it'll plot you on that. You're like, hey, oh, you have above average or below average okay. agreeableness compared to your peers. That's interesting. Yeah. It's mathematically interesting because if if it's plotting you against the average, in theory, you should be close to the average, or most people should be, because that's how the average works. Anyway. Um, try, trying to keep us anchored into the decision-making thing here. What I'm getting a lot of here is that in order to maximize your decision-making, a lot of it actually has to do with what is already hardwired inside of you between your, your chronotype, between your personality type, between all of this kind of stuff. I think if we had to sum up to one sentence, what we said so far at this point, it's use like base your decisions around the person that you are. So what do you say to people that might have these little like practices? I don't know if people really have that or not, but if people try to help you make decisions by saying, Oh, try it at this time of day. Oh, try it at this time of day when it's different for everybody. What's the, I mean, how What's the specific question there? The question is, I, I don't fucking know. The question is like, <laughs> are there more, are there universal practices to making better decisions? Oh, like something that you could just tell everyone and they'll become a decision, better decision maker because of it. Yeah. Okay. So like I said, dis- who you are, you should, a big part of this episode is discovering who you are so you can make better decisions, right? Intelligent people make intelligent decisions. That's why we're doing this. That's why we're talking about this. <laughs> but now- <laughs> Uh, what? <laughs> just for the record we were kind of iffy about whether the quote at the beginning was going to tie into this and i think we've effectively made it tie in more than we thought it was going to <laughs> so. <laughs> okay so um now we're evolving through decision making right we've talked about who you are at your core figuring that out so you know where your weaknesses are where your strengths are um how to set the next day up for success so you can maximize your decision making process now that now we're gonna go into like what we can go into is on the spot decision making. Okay. Um impulsive. I'm all, I'm all yeah, and making like dealing with the emotions when you're trying to make a decision. Okay, that that's a hard thing for a lot of people to do. Um yeah, so I can I can go into an example. Let's go, let's 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 start with why. Okay, yeah, I'll start with why we? and then lead into it. Why why is the most important question we can ask ourselves, right? Yes, it is. So I had a, a client reach out to me and he said, Hey, would you mind talking about the burden of command? And I said, Okay, what do you what do you mean? Uh, what's going on? He's like, Well, you know, I understand that the burden of command is all the baggage that goes along with being a leader. You know, it's what you know, you're you're essentially on your own as a leader as a key leader, the higher up you go, the more lonely it gets. And it's because you don't really have people to lean on, uh, the higher you go. You're kind of just, you're, cause you're the leader, right? Like you're like, Hey, you do have a team, but it can get lonely because you can't be a hundred percent transparent. You have to make decisions by yourself. You're taking on the, 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 the bulk of the responsibility. And he said, Hey, can you talk about the burden of command and how to deal with it? And I, when I got to the, I asked him some more questions and I understood that what he was really getting after was the stress and the pressure that comes with the decisions you're going to make as a leader's life goes on. 
Okay. He wanted me to address that. And what he was worried about was making the wrong decision in the future. Okay. Getting put in a bad situation where the people around him were going to be impacted and he was going to make the wrong decision. He basically, he wanted to know how to deal with, uh, with, uh, uh, performance anxiety around decision-making. So the way, the way to do this, the way to make great decisions on the spot is, is two things. One is to prepare for that moment. Okay. Preparation is how you win, right? Sun Tzu said the way to win war is to be able to win three. And then the second thing is to be able to, to tap into your instincts during that moment's decision. So that's what I'm a big believer in. I'm a, I'm a huge believer in making decisions on the spot when you've, you've prepared and you've, you've planned and prepared and you're expecting to win. And then that, that moment happens listening to your gut and your instincts to make the decision. Yeah. I've talked about the instincts before, but, um, that's how I would do it. Does your, Is does it, your gut and your instincts absolutely take precedent in that situation mainly over i i think the biggest problem people have with that is if their gut or their instinct conflicts with policy you know what i mean especially in a corporate environment if a you know if the if there's some sort of rule you're not supposed to follow but it seems like the best decision to make at that time do you go with your gut or do you go with policy i go with it i regardless of the policy i go with it because the worst case scenario is not that bad. If I go with my gut and I'm in a company that it goes against their policy, the worst case scenario, they're going to, they're going to fire me or they're going to whatever. Now, if you're going with your gut, your are 99% of the guy, the people listening and the people that that'll do this will make the, uh, an honest, right decision. Okay. Well, I'm not talking about uh, psychopaths or anything like that. I'm talking about people that know the difference between right and wrong. <laughs> So I actually told this story on an Instagram post one day, but sometimes making the instinctual right decision is, is better than being, than doing what you're told to do. Okay. I was on a mission overseas, going to go hit this enemy objective. And on the way in countless, there was countless delays. The partner force that we were with, they were dropping equipment. They were fatigued. They were tired. They were quitting on infill while all us US were trying to push to this objective. As a result, we were going to miss our target hit time. And on in route, we it was like uh, midnight, maybe one o'clock in the morning. My superior officer came down and, and he canceled the mission. He said, prepare for exfil. We're going to um, mission aborted. Well, we were so close to the objective that I knew that was the wrong decision. Now, this is, this is my superior officer saying, hey, no, we're not going further. And our formation was spread out. You know, there was probably 60 to 80 of us in this on the ground at this time. He was in the middle towards the back. I was up kind of towards the middle front. And then my senior NCO was in the very front. Well, I told him I got on our, our platoon net and I told my senior NCO, I said, hey, uh, we're being told to stand down. And we had a quick conversation on our platoon net which he couldn't, our, our boss couldn't really hear. Maybe he could and he just ignored it, but I don't think he could hear it. And uh, my senior NCO was pissed. I was pissed because we knew we were right there. Like, there, like sir, like we should not abort. We're right fucking here. So the right decision, my instincts were to keep pushing and not to turn everybody around, which I could have done. I could have got on the radio, said, hey, back out, we're leaving. But I said, no, we're, the right thing to do is push. So we pushed and literally 10 minutes later, uh, we end up hitting the enemy objective, killed the bad guy, 
got the got the that the uh, the sensitive site uh, materials inside, you know, some laptops, cell phones, stuff like that, and we end up getting mission success. Now to negotiate that call where the boss was like, "Hey, you know, our policy in your example is saying no, don't keep going." What I did is I just delayed it. I I didn't like turn around and tell him to screw off. I just said. Um, all right, Roger, sir, uh, working it right. But in my gut, I had already made the decision. We're going to push a little bit further. So I kind of like stringed him along in the decision, which was going against what he was telling me to do, but it was the right decision. So what I'm saying is in the moment decision situations like that, you got to listen to your gut. Um, and I can, I could keep going on more and more examples of this, but I'll let you, I'll let you ask some questions or kind of well, guide me towards what I was going to say. Is our decisions are decisions really a matter of right and wrong decisions, or is it better and worse decisions? Yeah, well, I think it's it's more of a matter of regret minimization. Okay, that's why people want to make good decisions. They don't want to make the wrong decision because they don't want to deal with regret. Right, regret's painful. Yeah, my brother's going through something right now where um, not my youngest brother that was on my social media, but another brother. He's going through something where he has to choose between his family, his work, where he's going to live. And it's stressful for him. Yeah. He's like, he's like, I don't know. He's asking everybody, Hey, what would you do? What'd you do? Yeah. And that's his reaction is gather up information. I told him, I said, Hey man, I said, pick the ideal situation, dominate it. That's what I told him. I said, and listen to your gut, go with your gut because you know, he, you got to think when, when a guy like that is asking everybody else around him, what this, what to do in the situation. No, he's asking people that only have a surface level opinion and view of his situation. Mm-hmm. We, don't, we don't have an under the hood look of everything that's going yeah. on in his life. So it's really not fair for everybody to jump in and give that person advice. His best bet is to actually go with his gut and figure out what his instincts are telling him to do. Yeah. So I guess what I'm kind of asking is like, realistically, is any decision... We, we, we'll keep using the same example going to be the so-called wrong one. Do you think, do you, like, do you think there's one that's just totally going to throw his life into complete chaos or no. do you think you kind of figure it out somewhere along the way? Like, I, I, well, I think it's much more important to make a decision than to make the wrong one for lack of a better way to put it. Yeah. No, no decision is the worst decision. Yeah. Okay. So you're, a, you're a pilot and you're flying. And you have a mechanical issue going on. You're trying to figure out if you should lower altitude or stay flying at your current level. Uh, Or sorry, if you're trying to figure out whether you should lower altitude and fix the issue or you should continue on to your flight. Well, that's probably a bad example there. (laughs) (laughs) But what I'm I'm getting at is not doing anything leads you to catastrophe, right? Where you, I have a bad example right now. (laughs) But what I'm saying is, you know, lead, not doing anything going hands off leads you to catastrophe. Yeah. Okay. So make a decision and trust that you're, it's a 50, 50 shot, yeah. right? You're either going to get it right or you're going to get it wrong. So just, just decide and go. Yeah. Well, I mean, even, even when you think like, if you make no decision in whatever case, like the best case scenario is that you go nowhere. You know what I right. mean? Like you, it, it's, you're not moving yeah, forward so- or backward. So let's do a military example a little bit. I'm not a pilot. That's why my example sucked. Yeah. So let's do a military <laughs> example. Never if, heard one if, of those. If my guys are in contact, if my men are in contact and I'm trying to figure out 
whether I should um, run back and go get reinforcements or should move forward and go help them, but I just stay there. Yeah. <laughs> wrong decision. Yeah. Yeah. The only okay. wrong decision, no decision. Gotcha. Yes. But the truth, but to na- navigate that is to listen to your instincts. And I, I push this because people don't teach it. And I'm trying to teach people to listen That's to That's why their we're instincts. here. Yeah. Um, the power of, in- of your instincts is, is unreal. Uh, you know, and I've learned this throughout, you know, my time in service. I've learned this my whole life that the instincts, they always guide you the right direction. So to make, make good decisions, like practice tapping in your instincts. Well, here's, here's an example. You know, I was overseas. And I had this three platoon mission, this three objective mission, sorry, not three platoon mission, three objective mission. It was set up like a triangle where the, the, the triangle was upside down. You had uh, the Northwest objective, the Northeast objective, and then the South objective. And I had to split my force to all three of them. Well, the Southern objective, we got in a discussion about where different weapon systems should go. And I told my senior NCO, I said, Hey, I need the Mark 48 down at the Southern objective. We only have two of them, but I need to take one with me. So my job was to take down, I was going to take the Southern mission, the Southern objective. He was going to take the Northwest one. And then I had a a senior squad leader that was going to take the Northeast one. And we're all going to split up and hit them simultaneously. Okay. So we got this discussion, Hey, where the machine guns going to go? Who's going to take what? And my gut said, Hey, I need to take this machine gun. I need to take the Mark 48. We had two, four, nine, but we wanted a Mark 48 and a Mark 48 is a 7.62. It's a little bit lighter than a, uh, um, it's a lot lighter than a, a, a Mark, uh, M240 machine gun. Okay. So it's a huge round. It's some nice firepower and it gives you that peace of mind that things are going to, if things get nasty, you're going to be okay. And I said, Hey, if we go down that way, I need, I need a Mark 48. And he's like, no, he's like, you know, we need it up here at North at the Northwest. We need both of them up here because this, uh, objective, um, for whatever reason, he had his reasons, right? I won't go into the details. And I said, I listened to him. And as a leader, you know, it's my call. Like, Hey, weapons are going to go here, here, and here. And I went against my gut. I said, you know what, what you're saying makes sense. I was listening to the logic side of the brain, right? I'm not listening to my intuition. I said, all right, well, you, well, you said, uh, makes sense. Uh, you guys go ahead and keep it. I'll go down to the South. Well, guess what fucking happened? <laughs> I got down to that South objective and we were getting shot at at point blank range by an enemy bunker, by enemy inside of a bunker, shooting machine guns at us. One of our partner force got shot in the back um, with his body armor on. We had to pull rounds out of his body armor. He didn't die. He ended up living. And when we got down there, I needed that fucking machine gun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so instincts told me before the mission that I should bring it. Yeah. Logic told me, hey, you don't need to. His argument makes sense. And if I would have brought it, we wouldn't have got that partner force probably wouldn't have got shot. Um, a bunch of other stuff wouldn't have happened, but we, we still ended up achieving mission success because as the mission rolled on, I listened to my instincts when we were all in contact. Okay. And I'm not saying I caused mission success, like the guys that were there fighting, those guys, the fighters did, but I'm saying some of the decisions that were made led to that success. Yeah. What about if, because obviously your firm that decision like instinctual decisions are the way to go essentially what if you're working on a team you're working on some sort of project something like that and you and one or two or three or however many other people all have instinctual decisions to make that conflict with each other 
does that ever happen and how do you how do you decide whose instincts to go with it's usually not a discussion of what like what everybody's instincts are telling them it's just a discussion and an argument about who who thinks they're right so if you can address like hey what's your gut say to do you can actually ask people and discover what their instincts are saying but what you're really asking is what do you do when there's competing um competing opinions about the decision you should go Pretty and, and your yeah. and your your instinct is telling you to go a different direction do you just hardline it and say no hey nope my my, my instincts are the most superior yeah right right, <laughs> right yeah no so i would the, the best way to guide that situation is um you're not always trying to be right and listen to your your instincts you want if you want to create buy-in in your family in your team uh, wherever you have to allow them input into the decisions. Okay. Because what you really want to do as the leader is you want to come in and make the decision when the decision is most needed, like the most save your decisions for the most important decisions. Okay. Don't waste it on some of the periphery right. and, and smaller yeah. stuff just because you want to be right. Yeah. Save your so, spoons. Yeah. And exactly. Save your spoons. And then and, you know, if you push the decisions down to your force all the time, it actually energizes them to make more decisions. Okay. So as the leader, you want to, you want to let everyone else make a lot of the decisions. You just want to be the facilitator. And then when push comes to shove and your gut's like completely upside down, like on a machine gun, yeah. <laughs> you should step in and say, Hey, like, no, I'm taking the fucking machine. Gun, right? Like, no questions asked. This isn't a discussion. Okay. Got it. Yeah. You know, here's it. So that, that same mission, right? One of the things that happened that night was that we were walking uh, to that Southern objective and as we're walking by it, my gut turned and I said, um, we should like, we're not, we should be on top of this objective or we should, something's not right. We should be here already. And so I, and I wasn't like the guy that was doing the land navigation. There was multiple other people that were doing that, but I was the key leader down there. And I said, something's not right. I said, hey, stop the force. Um, let's do a map check and figure it out. And when we stopped, I grabbed my my NCO that was down there and I said, hey, I can't say his name on here, but I said, hey, uh, you know, squad leader. Um, I was like, this don't feel right. I was like, let's do a map check. And he's like, oh shit. We uh he's like, I I'm not I'm not sure where it's at. I kind of was stumped. And I started looking around and I see like 20 meters over, there's the bunker that we're supposed to be hitting, and we're almost on top of it because everybody had overshot it. But so what could have happened in this scenario was we could have been spotted. The enemy could have came out and ambushed us, but we were, we were like moments away from being attacked first. And my gut said, Hey, stop the force. Let's take a quick halt, figure out where this thing's at. And when we did that, we figured out where it was at and then got into position and it was game on. Good deal. Sounds pretty cool. What are we doing on time right now? I haven't checked it in a little bit. We're getting to the end here. I don't know. I don't know how you want to keep this timed up. I got, we're at 55 minutes. Okay. Because, okay, there's two things that I have left then. First of all, with the instinctual decision-making, you're giving a great deal of pretty like high-intensity examples of going with your gut. But I don't want people to get confused to the point that when we say make decisions, based on instinct i'm thinking like someone's gonna come in 
and be like, oh, my instinct, you know, like when you're when you're deciding if you're going to get out of bed in the morning, most people's instincts probably tell them not to. You know what I mean? So what do you say to that guy? Yeah, you don't know what your instincts are telling you because that's not your instincts. That's your emotions. Okay. You have to be able to say, and I, I just had the same conversation with my brother about this topic. I was telling him he didn't get it. He said the same thing. He said, um, I was like, Hey dude, you need to go with your, you need to go with your gut, go with your instincts. He's like, my, my gut's telling me to, to do this thing, which is stay with my, my family and my boys and be as close to them as possible. Even though that's, that's not the direction that I, uh, I can't get into the specifics, but the bottom right. line was that his heart was telling him to do one thing and uh, he was confusing that, his heart, I say, his emotions were telling him right. to do one thing and he couldn't differentiate between what his instincts were saying. So you gotta, right. you gotta be able to separate emotion from instincts. Right. Okay, so when somebody gets pissed off at me and starts yelling in my face, if that ever happens, um, <laughs> my emotions say to rip their head off. Okay. My instincts say, let them have their moment. Okay. That's a good, that's a good point and a good separator too. I mean, I think that's what puts people into those situations in the first place. You know, if it's hard to make a decision, it's probably because your emotions and your instincts are not in line with each other. Yeah. So like, uh, it's like ghostbusters. Don't cross the streams, man. You got to keep them separated. (laughs) Fair enough. So, all right. And then the last thing is just though too is like, do you want to take emotions out of the decision making process, or are you kind of trying to minimize them? Mm, I'm not sure on this one. Because what I, think- I would say, what 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 my argument would be, my thoughts would be on that is that I think emotions are the foundation of why we make decisions in the first place. So while I don't think you should let emotions cloud your decisions, I think that if we just made like emotionless creatures that were like expert decision makers, like just like total robots, right? That didn't have emotions at all that could logic and analyze their way through every decision. I start to think, why would they make a decision though? If there's no emotion involved, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Um, I would just, I think that's a whole, that's, that's a lot deeper than what we can cover in the next couple of minutes. I, I think right. the, the point is to remain, differentiate between emotions and uh, instincts yeah, and allow your instincts to guide you. And the reason I'm, I'm kind of bringing it back to that is because making an emotional decision has uh, a lot of baggage to it and a, a lot of second, third order effects. If you look at the difference between revenge and retribution, it's a prime example. So revenge is an emotional decision to eliminate what it, somebody that either did bad to you or to get back at them. Retribution is to do what's deserving. Okay, so the death penalty. If you want, if you're going to eliminate somebody, and do you want to eliminate them with revenge or retribution? Well, you want to take the emotion out of it, right? And if you just if you determine that hey, this person no longer needs to live here in the world, you're not you're not taking them out and beating the hell out of them until they die. Like you would with revenge, you know, you essentially, you give them a, a lethal injection or whatever. And that's, you know, a yeah. little bit retribution. And I know that's an extreme example as well, right. but what I'm clearly trying to differentiate is the difference between emotional decision and, uh, and a, an instinctual one, which is a lot like revenge and retribution. Awesome. That's all I got. That's all she wrote. All right. Um, 
I think that we're good on the closeout notes. Um, everybody knows how to spell my name and they know that to share the podcast. They found something valuable, but what I would leave everybody with is, uh, well, actually I'll give you a chance. Do you have anything you want to say? Um, not particularly just really drive home, you know, rating review on iTunes. Like that's what helps us grow. And if you okay. don't get that by now, me saying it again, isn't going to help. All right. Right. Yeah. There is a ton of reviews on there, guys. Thanks for the ones that did that. So, um, Justin's asking for you guys to leave some more, go ahead and go on there and leave us some more reviews. Uh, the numbers keep going up. So again, we appreciate you. Thank you. And, uh, today's practical exercises are to go out and, and rehearse and listen to your instincts in something. Okay. It can be something small, like picking up trash. It can be going to the gym, putting away a weight. It can be just become aware of your, your, your instincts and what they're telling you to do and start rehearsing that. So that way you can prepare. And when that moment does happen, uh, you can rely on them to make your, make an accurate decision and start learning about your personality. So you can figure out what your weaknesses and strengths are. Those are you guys are practical exercises, practical tools. All right. All right. Until next time, guys, be the leader. Motivation. motivation. Every day I try a little harder, but my dedication. dedication. Keep my head way, way above the water. Crying myself and I yell at the wall. Begging to run, but I needed to crawl. I see the finish line up ahead. Trying to get traction from all of this tread. I am a king. I am a queen. I am more than the people can see. I am strong when I'm needing to be. Vulnerability's nothing to me. You can try, but I'm unshakable. My successes is never debatable. I'm coming and I'm so interchangeable. Here's to you and all that you are capable of.